receivers right, Thiel in the left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God, oh my God! Oh my God! 30! No! Kay! Everybody, welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode 22, Wild Card Weekend Edition. The Vikings are headed to New Orleans to take on the Saints and a playoff game. A familiar foe, unfortunately, and fortunately, split them 1 1 in important moments. Round three. In studio with me, the producer, also from thevikings.com, Chris. Corso to the left of him, Jay Nelson. We did not do an episode last week. Nope. A, it was Christmas, so we did not do that. B, no one in here felt like talking into the microphone because what happened on Monday night. So it's kind of nice. We, we got to skip all of that terrible negativity and now talk about a meaningless game against Chicago uh, as we walk into the playoffs. We can focus on it for a second, Chris. I will say... You know, we all knew that it was going to be a rest day for a lot of the important guys, especially with a few guys banged up. You know, when when you lose out on a first round bye and you lose out on the division and you have to go on the road, you're looking for any possible advantage you can gain at all. And every other team that was playing on Sunday had something to play for. So the fact that we didn't technically have anything to play for and we could sit uh, all our important guys and let their bodies heal up, you know, that's that's helpful. Yeah, and my biggest takeaway from the game was some of these players' reserves that do see time in the big games, one of them being Afadio Denebo having a huge sack that almost was a touchdown. Um, his knee was down, and Stephen Weatherly as well providing pressure um, on a first-string offensive line and getting a half a sack in this game. So some of those players that you see Mike Zimmer sprinkle in as pass rushers in the second half of games, they showed very well against the first-team Chicago Bears offense. Absolutely. Weatherly, Odenabo, Alexander Hollins was in the wide receiver. It was interesting to see him out there. I think the wide receiver position is always such a bizarre one to see how guys become, because that feels like the position where guys can sneak onto the field from all over the draft spot. Spectrum, you know they they undrafted seventh round. I mean Antonio Brown was way late in the draft. You know uh, Thielen undrafted Diggs fifth round. He was a fifth round. round, Diggs was fifth rounder. So I I think sometimes with wide receivers, uh, the truth is it's kind of like we've talked before. I'm a big NBA guy. All two guards can jump and dunk the ball. They're all freak athletes. Which one of them ha- put the time in and can develop the extra skill sets? It's got to be difficult to ob- assess the wide receiver position. That's why a lot of them bust out of the first round because all these guys are fast. They're all fast. That's why they play wide receiver. And it's it's kind of hard to assess route running and, and, and hands and stuff like that until you actually see them in the league. So this... This Alexander Hollins, he's fast, man. He's he very, he very was quick. lightning out there. And as you look around the league and you see some of these guys, obviously what Tyreek Hill is doing in Kansas City, and I'm uh, Debo, uh, Debo Samuel, Samuel yeah. for the Niners who put on a show on Sunday night that was disgusting. I, I, I was curious to see him out there.
out there, and I, I don't know that he had the best game anyone's ever seen, but the dude is fast. He's quick, and he made that uh, over-the-shoulder catch on the sideline. You know, not, Which is not an easy not grab. an easy catch. My last takeaway from this game was Chris Boyd, who has just been a monster for the Vikings on special teams. He leads the Vikings in special team tackles this season. He did it again in this game, so watch out for Chris Boyd. I know that's a small takeaway, but he's been such an impact player for the Vikings, and he will be on the field in those big games in that role, so watch out for him going forward. Well, that'd be nice because when you get into the playoffs, let's, I mean, let's, let's talk, let's... I don't care about the Bears game at all. We're, we're, going, we're, going, we're going right into the play. This might be an 11 minute play or uh, podcast, but we're going right into the playoffs. I think obviously Please. we are talking off the air. Uh, Corso here is going to have a meltdown. He found out that the Vikings are eight point underdogs in New Orleans, and he I thought he was going to build a Drew Brees voodoo doll. He's having a <laughs> meltdown over there in his chair. Would you like to? You see, I'm not surprised at the eight points. I'm not, and that's a not negative commentary on our organization. I just, knowing the way they make lines and knowing how good New Orleans is at home and knowing some of the matchup things that maybe the national conversation is going to be about, eight points didn't even surprise me at all. It's like unfathomable. <laughs> it's, I can't even believe it. Like, eight Chris is going to die in this hill. I just, like, thinking I, every about time the games, Chris, every, like, I, I, I can't I lo- believe eight. I love like, the Vikings so much, but every time Chris opens his mouth to talk, I assume he's going to have a, a, a Viking tattoo on his tongue. It's I, unbelievable. I mean, I was expecting like a five and a half, five yeah. and a half point spread, maybe five. Yeah, it's kind you of the three points being on the road. Uh, Zimmer's defense against, I don't know. I, I just didn't expect. I get where they're coming from, seeing the Saints finish off the season so strong, playing a beaten up Carolina team and just bashing them in week 17. Obviously the way we finished with the Packers and now not really going with any momentum into the playoffs, but eight points with this defense, that's just amazing to me. Uh, uh, my guess is, and you got to remember, lines are made to make people bet. They're, they're not necessarily always an accurate prediction of what's going to happen. They put a line out there so both sides go, oh, I like that side, I 100%. like that side. But uh, uh, if I could play devil's advocate, I think what you do is, I, personally, I think the Packers are the worst 13-3 and three football team in the history of football. And am I saying that because after we lost on Monday night, a bunch of Packer chodes uh, got on my Instagram and just <laughs> went at me for a day and a half? Lit you up. Yes. I've never been involved in, fa- in, in fan disputes before. I remember growing up in a small town. Kids were like, we're going to go fight everybody from Wyndham. I was like, cool. I'm going to go home because that sounds the worst. I don't care about your dumb town or your dumb... Like, I'm not in... But now I am. Now I am. These, these hefty... Knuckle dragon, <laughs> hefty. That's a good word. Drooling dumpsters <laughs> have pulled me in, and I'm and and I do I do I think their team. So now let me extrapolate that. I think I don't think that's a unique opinion. Uh, and, and and they did like it's just garbage with everything to play for on Sunday. The Packers were absolute garbage, and Rodgers struggled immensely, yep. right? So if you're the lines maker and you're looking at that, and I know we didn't have Dalvin Cook, and I think it's it's my opinion and probably the opinion of this room that if you have Cook and Madison, that game looks a lot different because. Again, I'll say it once, I'll say it on times. I don't know anything about how football actually works. But what it looked like to me in that game, they were like, hey, we know that you're really good at play action. We don't care about Mike Boone. 
If he beats us, he beats us. We're going to be in your backfield every second of every minute so you can't execute play action all game long. And if Cook and, and, and Madison are there, that's a different story. Now, I don't know that the national media and the national conversation assessed that game in the same way. I think they looked at it and they went, oh, Kirk failed in, in primetime again. Oh, the offense sucks. I don't think they broke it down in the same way. So if you see a Vikings team that lost... And, and you guys were there. You guys were in the stadium. I was with my family. I was watching at home. And I was so jacked for that game. And I got to tell you, one of the most unenjoyable football games as a Viking fan I've ever watched. Absolutely. Especially when you start with three first-half turnovers against Aaron Rodgers and you end with seven first downs and a brutal loss. And they get that garbage-ass they get away with a hold on their Devontae Adams or on their uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones touchdown, and then we get called on ours. Garbage. That's a whole other conversation. The point is, really unfun to watch. So I think the conversation looks at us doing that against that team, then them losing against the Lions. Saints beat the Panthers by 750 points. They're at home. They have all those weapons. And I think that's what balloons it to seven. I think my guess is that's what they truly believe the line is. I think they're pushing everybody to think that it should be five and a half, it should be four, and they want them to bet the Vikings until they bring the line down, and then they push the other way. Now, none of us are gamblers, so we don't need to talk about it, but we're just talking about the way the, the, underdog, the, expectations, the, the underdog rolls through. Let's, here's, this is, let's talk, here, if you want to have a conversation about underdogs, how about the Vikings getting left off the NFL's playoff video it's the hype amazing. video and coach zimmer took notice of that and said it in his press conference on monday so he he said i don't care who believes we're gonna win he, he mentioned the eight point spread he mentioned being left out of the video but he said all he cares about is his 53 guys believing that they can go in there and win and i certainly believe that they can go in. i know you're giving me the, the positive guy over here but i believe it all started with being on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium with Ben Lieber, watching the end of that Packers game, and the Packers win on a game-winning field goal, and PA and Lieber are right there. Wait, oh, oh, you're ta- okay. You're talking this past this past Sun- Sunday for the Bears game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, we watched the Packers win the game, and then Lieber said, "You know what? We're gonna play the Saints," and I like that because playing in the controlled arena of a dome is something that he's done. And, and he's also played out there with the 12s in Seattle. And he's also played tons of times out there at Lambeau. He would rather the Vikings play in that dome. Oh, so he said I like that. He liked it. For a second, I that thought... That started my optimism. For a second, I thought Chris was telling that's, us an elaborate story so he could say, I like that. No, I was like, what is happening that's right where, That is where my optimism started, was the optimism of Ben Lieber out on the field at I, US Bank Stadium. I'm, I'm always cautiously optimistic. That's just my, that's my mode as a fan. I think the other side of it is you just have to understand what you're dealing with. It, ma- it makes sense that we're underdogs, and, and I, I kind of enjoy that. You know, the other thing, going back to that video, anytime that happens and you hear players go, no one believes in us, you know, the general public really likes to make fun of that. Even talk radio and media like, you know, and TV like to make fun of that. But locker rooms are, are unique. 
Locker rooms are not the real world. This is not a normal situation. These people, this isn't you and your dumb accountant coworkers. This is a different world, and stuff like that holds. Stuff like that actually does mean something. It's, it's, it's why when you start breaking down a game with two really good teams, it, yes, it's certainly going to be settled on the field and the matchups, but the way, you, the way you approach it mentally and the things that are going on in your brain and the things that you believe I do think that stuff makes a big difference. And let's talk about another one. Noon. Noon on Sunday. And nobody's really talking about that being our draw. Let's talk about your boy, Kirky K. Cousins, uh, Chris. Dude, whether it's real or not, that guy plays well at noon on Sundays compared to all of the other times. Yeah, those two things, playing at noon on Sundays, playing in the controlled environment, there are numbers to back up that Kirk Cousins plays better in a controlled, whether it's a warm or a dome environment. He keeps saying controlled environment rather than like Uh, dome. It's going to be loud. Because a controlled environment environment (laughs) means it sounds like like the robot picks Kirk out of a case (laughs) and sets him on the field. It will be loud in the Superdome. I believe it would have been louder out in Seattle. I really do believe that. And I think it would have been louder in Lambeau as well. There are debates to be had on that. I'm sure, Jay, were you at the 2009 playoff game? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was sitting in the upper deck with the rest of the Rubes in New Orleans, and things were cordial up until that fourth quarter. I'm sure. And then it descended into madness, and my brother and I looked at each other and said, we need to get the heck out of here as fast as possible. (laughs) Dude, I wanted nothing more. It's going to be loud wherever you go. I hate and I love our draw. Let me yeah. give, let me give this because uh, and let, let's well let's let's backtrack. Let's talk about exactly what happened on Sunday to put us there because depending on what you wanted to see happen, if you're Chris Corso, things went to plan. If you're Cy Amundsen, things went completely, utterly, and thoroughly not to plan because I wanted to go to Green Bay. Yeah, I, I get that. I wanted to go to Green Bay. I wanted to I wanted to bring Delvin Cook in there. Uh, we have two losses that easily could have been wins. I don't believe they're a good team and I don't believe they can handle us at this point in the season healthy and I don't think they're going to beat us three times. We were watching that game and anybody who watched it the the Lions were up seven. Aaron Rodgers had just threw a deep pick. The Lions were driving. They they were right about the 50 yard line maybe a little past it. They have Matt Prater. You know a few more yards you're getting a field goal and this thing is sealed, man. And we're going to Lambeau. I already had a meme. I was going to send out to all these Packer blogs. I was going to send out uh, the. I was going to say Packers have the division in their hands. And then I was going to do the the video of uh, Kevin from the office spilling chili. <laughs> and I was re- I was ready to talk a lot of trash. Uh-huh. And then. Uh, my brother, I'm sitting there watching with my brother and my nephew, or my, my two brothers and my nephew, and my dumb brother, Greg, who really likes David Blau, goes, you know what? I think David Blau's the real deal. <laughs> no, Next play, sack. Yes. Next play, worst interception I've seen in a while. Uh-huh. Boom, bang, game over. Packers win, blah, blah, blah. Bummed out. Going to Sunday night. And I know I'm not allowed. I know it's not. Uh, we don't get to really talk about refing in here. But I wanted Seattle to win that game because that was my ideal draw. Yep. Well, uh, my ideal draw that was, was Seattle at the three, Packers at the one. I wanted to go into Seattle, exercise those demons. We already know we can compete there. Yep. Then I wanted to go beat. I wanted those Packers to have a one seed and just walk in there and just wallop them. I wanted it so bad. And I got to tell you, that's a feeling as a Viking fan that I wish everyone can experience. I've experienced, I was at 
in the stands. I was sixth row in the stands in Lambeau in the end zone that Randy Moss mooned. I didn't go to games growing up. I never went to games. When that playoff game happened with Mike Tice as the coach, my oldest nephew and I drove out and sat sixth row in the end zone for that game when we destroyed them. And it, like... I don't know what a Super Bowl victory feels like, but this is just a tier below. Just reveled in it. Yeah, so imagine going to that's getting Seattle, then going to Green Bay. Well, we can get them in the NFC Championship now. So that, That's true. That would be my birthday, January 19th. Well, let's, <laughs> get, birthday. let's get Chris a big birthday <laughs> present. Exactly. But the, there was almost an amazing thing that happened on Sunday night. Did you watch the game with the sound on? Yes. So I don't know if you picked this up, but I was ready to uh, go real viral on the internet because I was going to record it. So the Niners score to go up 12, and I don't know who it was, but the camera is on them in the end zone, and some white dude player on the team runs by the camera and goes, see you in round two. Did you hear that? No. As clear as a microphone has ever accidentally picked up a player. See you on round two. Wow. And then Russell Wilson touchdown. And if he got the next one, I was I was ready to screen cap that and send that to the world. It would have been amazing. But that lack of pass interference in the end zone, not only that it didn't get called, that they didn't even review it. To me, that's why the review is in place. So when you miss it, what's you the, go back and review it. I didn't like the review of pass interference in the first place, but what is the point? What is the, you played 17 weeks for that moment. For, for that moment. And look at what it changed. Packers don't get the one seed. Saints don't get the bye. Vikings have to play the Saints and then the Niners, not the Seahawks and the Packers. All that being said, let's walk away from it. Because the other side of it is... If you, if you beat the Saints in New Orleans, it's real. Well, like, if you, this, if, is, this runs real. Well, and well beyond that, and I then go, you have to I go, go to, back to the New York Giants back in the day when they had all those runs. All their games were on the road. Yep. They went into Lambeau and beat Brett Favre on a game-winning field goal, no, and I that remember. just started the entire run that Eli Manning had that year. And I could see something a win like this in New Orleans. I could see it just, okay, the Vikings are back. Giddy okay, up. here we go. That was the one where Coughlin's face basically froze off. Michael Strahan. That's where Coughlin's face froze and then stayed frozen for the next 12 years. He went full White Walker (laughs) in in that moment. And the other part with that that everyone forgets, that was Brett Favre's last game at Lambeau. Yes. And that was, I think, for Viking fans, while they were reveling in it so much, was just like, oh my gosh, this is potentially it. And then he got traded and he was gone. And the last remembrance that they had at that moment was watching them walk off the field losing to the Giants in a game that the Giants had no business winning. Yep. Can I tell you a secret that no one's going to like? I was rooting for the Packers in that game. And I can't stand the Packers, but I just I have loved Brett Favre so so much for so like everything about I know it's everybody says it, but just watching him play, I root for him on a level that over takes over how much I dislike that state and all their fans. And I was like, "Man, that's a bummer to see it end yes. that way." I felt I felt bad for him. I think the other thing is, if you do get this Saints game, I think the best team in the NFL, and everybody's going to think I'm stupid because the Ravens exist, I I think the Niners are the best team in the NFL. I think Kyle Shanahan right now is coaching at a level offensively that's almost incomparable. He has... He has a combination of the right weapons and an understanding that his job is to keep, if he can keep the defense guessing, which he has mastered that this year, with, with between Kittle, Juszczyk, and Debo Samuel, he's got a wide receiver, 
a tight end and a fullback who are all so dangerous and he uses them in these unique ways where he's sending the fullback on deep routes he's he's doing a jet sweep with the tight end he's do, uh, everything he does with Debo Samuel is like and that's that's what happens I mean I think Debo Samuel is really great but I think when you're a defense and you go did he just hand it off to George Kittle and throw a bomb to the fullback what the hell are we doing and then all of a sudden wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver touchdown and let alone Brita and Mostert like Mostert was the journeyman who's been on how many different teams and both those guys as a one-two punch in the running game for that team are, are amazing but it's, and, it's and, just that everybody's off balance I mean I, I yeah. think any running but those guys are good but any running back in the league would dominate there because the other team's like what's happening what's happening what's happening gone and to support your your feeling of the Niners kind of being the favorite here especially in the NFC side uh, football power index they have them ranked number three as the most likely team to win the Super Bowl okay they have the Niners and the Saints above the Packers as far as the percentage goes, they've got the Ravens at 36%, the Chiefs at 22%, Niners at 19 Saints at 7 Packers at 6 Vikings at 2 So you're correct there where writers and everybody are looking at this going, the Packers might be that high seed at the same point. They're rated third most likely to get to the Super Bowl given yeah. where everything shakes out at this point. Back to you, Chris, and your point. I do think there's a way to beat this Saints team. I, I, do think, I do think leaving us off the video is silly. I do think if you lose this game, I can see how it's eight points because in the NFL, you can be down two, you know, driving for a win, throw a pick six. Like, it can get to eight points. Eight points isn't unheard of. That doesn't bother me. But I, I think anybody who thinks that this is a no win for this team isn't looking at reality. Now, I know you were, before we went on air, you were talking about Michael Thomas. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for the Vikings in this game, the biggest key is stopping Michael Thomas. He led the league in receiving yards this year, over 1,700. His Twitter name is Can't Guard Mike, and I think that's like probably the closest cool. thing to... What probably, a cool Twitter handle. Maybe they'll let him put it on the back of his jersey. <laughs> anyway. Do you think he's trademarked he broke, that? He broke is it like, the hey, record. He hate me kind of a thing. All these, like, I, I Adley, he broke the record for receptions this year. So yes, he like, did. You gotta like at least give him that credit. So tip of the cap. I want to see Mike Zimmer with everything on the line in this game, and I know he's going to do it. Is let's see the Belichick model of take away the best player on the other team. That is what the Patriots have done in all these runs that they've had. They take away the best option on the other team. They did it to us when we went into uh, Foxborough last year. They took away Adam Thielen. He had, he had one of the worst games I've seen him have healthy since he's been a big part of this offense. I want to see that mindset on Michael Thomas. And I think we were talking about this before the show. That starts with having a safety who can help out whoever that cornerback is, whether it's Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, whether you switch them off to give each other breaks. I want to see Jaron Curse be a part of this defensive plan to stop this big-bodied wide receiver because I think he can have a huge impact on the game. Now let me let me push back on a couple of those. One, I agree and disagree. I, I don't know that I think Michael Thomas is the best player on the Saints. I think he might statistically be the best player on the Saints. I think, I think he, he is. I think he might be the best wide receiver in the league. I don't know, and I'm not smart enough to know, but I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that if you stop Michael Thomas, you beat the Saints. I would say, and going to your Patriots example, I don't know that at that point Adam Thielen is necessarily the best, and Adam Thielen's amazing. I don't know that he's clear-cut in a way the best player on the Vikings at that point. I think what the Patriots did is they went, hey, Everybody is working real hard to stop Stefan Diggs and the rest of this passing game. And Adam Thielen 
is clapping off against everybody for 100 yards a game. And they went, you know what? Let's not let them do that anymore. So they took away a thing that was working for them. I I don't know if it was necessarily attacking the most important. So I think much like the Seattle game, which we lost, and the Cowboys game, which we won, I think you're right. I think you have to decide. Because anybody who thinks— You have to decide who you want to— don't go yeah. with those resources. You, you, you want to know why we're underdogs? Because they have one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play football. They have one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. They yep. have the best receiver, arguably, in the entire NFL. They have a fantastic backup running back, as we know. They just are loaded with offensive weapons. And when that happens, you have to decide who you want to stop. In that Cowboys game, we will let Dak and Amari Cooper get everything they wanted, and we shut uh, Zeke down all game long, and it paid off. In that Seattle game, we tried to shut down Russ and we let the running backs take their chance and it bit us and, and, and there were other factors in that game why we lost but so uh, I, I agree with you to me it's Drew Brees Drew Brees is death by a thousand cuts yep he is the guy like even last week's game he had nine different receivers for receptions he's gonna find whoever is open on the field and, and make you pay right yep so for me when you're talking about Michael Thomas his whole piece is don't let him get yak yards. Yep. Don't let him get yards after the catch. And I, I agree with that. I love that. But but for us, where we have struggled, it seems like, in a bunch of these bigger games, is the running game where they've gashed us. Like you were talking about Seattle, right? Yep. 200-plus yards kind of a thing. And, oh, by the way, we're looking at Kamara and Tay Train. So we know these guys that are coming at us. But they statistically have not had their best years and they're still racking up these wins, even when Teddy was their quarterback. Mm-hmm. So for me, looking at this, you're going, yes, you need your defensive line with Linval Joseph and those guys to stay stout and stop them. But when they do drop to pass, that is when you have to get in Breeze's face. That is my feeling this week is their game statistically that they had the worst all year with Breeze was against Atlanta. And in that game, he took six sacks. Yeah, oh yeah. They gave up six sacks the rest of the season. Yeah. And that is why when Breeze has Grease time, that. when Breeze has time, he is going to slice you up if you do not get in his face. And we've got to get home against him. Well, and that, that's my so, and that's my feeling. There, the Vikings have could have two distinct advantages in this game. We have Dalvin Cook. We have Dalvin Cook which means our, we have our play-action game, which means we have an offense that should move. I don't want us to play scared. I don't want us to, like, I don't want us... You, against a dominant offense, you have to be careful. If you, you know, if you run, 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 and you're not successful and you're working really hard to... Uh, and I know this isn't a surprise to anyone, but you're working hard to establish the run and it's not working, and they get a couple shots on offense after you've given it to them on three and outs, you're going to have a really, really, really long day. I think the interesting information that's prevailing about running in this in this league, and I think that's something that the Vikings have really figured out and excelled at, is I, th- I think the old wisdom is that you have to run a running back a certain amount of times to be successful. I think the current truth is we just have a really good running back that the defense has to respect. And if we can execute around that, whether it's handing it off to him, whether it's screen gaming to him, or it's play actioning, like the, the, the offense has to work around the threat of him. But I don't know necessarily that you have to hand it off 50 times. And I think that's something the Vikings, as they've found their groove offensively in the second half of the season, that you've seen. That's why the play action has been so successful. So when I say you need to get down there and use Dalvin Cook, it doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, mean he has to be a dominant handed off in between the tackles. I think it just means he has to be what the Saints are worried about 
and, and that's a huge advantage for you. Well, this goes back to what you were just talking about with San Francisco. It's keeping everybody off balance. And those are the games that we've had the most success in this year. Mm-hmm. When it, we were like 50-50 run pass, but it wasn't your traditional Adrian Peterson up the gut trying yes. to smash everybody in the face. It was more of your, it looks like a pass, and all of a sudden you hand off to Dalvin and he's got space. That's my, that's, this team, when this team has been rocking on offense, that's my favorite. And I like, and that's, we were talking about Kyle Shanahan. I think that's something that Kyle Shanahan is an absolute master of. Big package, two tight ends, all this, and all of a sudden, boom, we go to Rudolph. It looked like a run, we go to Rudolph. And so that's, that, that's one advantage I think we really have down there. The other one, is if the defensive line shows up, you hit it on the head. If Drew Brees has time, it's just going to be a long, I'm not saying you can't win, it's just going to be a long, difficult day. But the, the other side of that is if you bring blitz pressure, you better get home. You just better get home. Can I give you, can I, can I uh, show uh, Kirk-level love for a different player, a Corso Kirk-level love? <laughs> hit it. You want to know how you can win this football game? Just an old school throwback performance from Xavier Rhodes. Z- if Xavier Rhodes has one of those, like you know, like uh, this, is, this is my last. This is, like I know he's gonna have. He's got a lot of career left. But you know, the, the, the old, the old cop who's like, <laughs> you know, I'm getting too old for this. But if if you if Xavier Rhodes, Kurt ha- Reynolds coming in at the end of the longest yard <laughs> yes, for the last play. Yeah. <laughs> If you can, and again, let us emphasize that I think Xavier has <laughs> a joking. bunch of career in front of him, but he's been playing his side of the, the field this year, and I think that's what will continue. But, man, imagine getting just like a big shutdown performance from Xavier on Mike, just a big physical, because I got to, Thomas is so big and physical, I got to believe that if you if you have a guy like Xavier, who I think in past matchups against the Saints, that is what Xavier Rhodes has done. Going back to the Minnesota Miracle, I'd be curious. He was great. He was great against Michael Thomas the whole game. He wasn't the one who hurt us. The one who hurt us in that game was at the, in the second half, Alvin Kamara just went off and brought them back. Well, they kicked the field goal to take the final lead the for that. The final lead before yeah. the final and lead. And that was when Peyton starts doing his skull chant and all that kind of a thing, yep. you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, so. I, but that's, you just hit my point, Chris. I think that if I'm Sean Payton, I go, you know, their their past secondary has had its ups and downs this year. They're going to be really worried about Michael Thomas. I'm going to kill him with Kamara. Like, I, I, to me, I want to go into this game. and Because think about it this way. Even with everybody saying how much our past defense, that's what everybody keeps saying. And even to the point where now I'm saying it. Our past defense have struggled. Our past defense have struggled. Zim has come on and said, like, yeah, not as much as you guys think. Yep. You know, and even in games like the Seattle game, it was a blown communication on their big touchdown. So I'm not convinced that this pass defense is as vulnerable as everybody thinks it is. To me, I'm stopping Alvin Kamara. I'm trying to keep Drew Brees under pressure. If Michael Thomas gets 240 yards on you and three touchdowns, and that's why the Saints win, you tip your hats to him. One of the guys for me that really stands out every time I watch a Saints game is Taysom Hill. Yes, it's a ridiculous name. Yes, it's a ridiculous player. But the guy throws passes, catches passes, and runs the ball. And blocks. And blocks. He is he is their switchblade. And he is that kind of guy that I'm saying, they want to keep us off balance. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody is covered. And then Taysom Hill somehow is standing by himself in the corner, catching touchdown passes constantly. That guy drives me nuts every time I watch a game because I'm like, why is this guy doing what he's doing? Taysom Hill always seems to be the guy that when everything else is shut down, he's the safety valve and he can make you pay. 
I know it's the ridiculous take, but I don't think it's ridiculous. I think you could wind up in a game where a lot of Vikings fans are cursing at Taysom Hill. And so I've watched enough Saints game to know that you're exactly right. In big moments, that dude's like, are they running a triple reverse? Yes. uh, Flea flicker to Taysom Hill in the end zone? You're like, what is happening? Here's the other thing. I don't like the Saints. I can't stand the Saints. I hate like somebody put on Twitter that video a video of how we lost the 2009 championship game I saw that. with the litany of garbage calls and the the you know the the extra hits against Brett Favre and I just I don't like them. I just oh, I just do not like them. So I we'll, we'll see how it all pans out. I th- I think it's Viking fans should enjoy the week because it's fun. It's a fun tiebreaker because it's 1-1 in the playoffs in recent history, and that 1-1, we just alluded to it, is crazy finishes. It was the Brett Favre interception, and it was the Minnesota Miracle. It's just a really, really crazy, interesting, fun tiebreaker. And again... I'm fine being underdogs. I, I would tell you, I think if the if a if a Vikings team walked into a Saints game like this overconfident, I wouldn't love that. I want them to be us against the world. I just I want that. Go down there, punch them in the mouth early, make one big play on defense, punch them again, and now let's see you come back. Now with with the best running back in the world, let's see you come back. I, I want to touch on one more thing, and that's the injuries that the Saints are battling right now. They okay. do not have Sheldon Rankins. He's on the IR. Big part of that rushing defense. They do not have Marcus Davenport, who's also on the IR, one of their pass rushers. I know they have the big pass rusher on the other side. Cam. Cam, Cameron Jordan, which he's going to be the main one that you're going to have to worry about stopping with 15 and a half sacks this year. But also, their secondary, they had safety Marcus Williams, Von Bell, and cornerback Eli Apple all questionable last week. They're all battling injuries. They're not 100% healthy. They have about a mid-20 passing defense in the NFL this year. I know we want to run the ball, but you're also going to want to test those defensive backs down the field. And that's the whole thing. you got to keep Cam Jordan off balance as well. You can't let if those you, guys yep. pin their ears back because yep. Cam is a game wrecker. Cam literally had one tackle last week in their blowout game against the Panthers, and it was a sack. Yeah. And that is the kind of player that he is. We all know Cam. We know, we know his dad. We know his history. We know his legacy. Cam is a game wrecker. It comes down this week to line battle once again. Our offensive line has to show up. That gives you Delvin. That gives you time for Kirk. And on this one, you have to put Cam in check. Otherwise, he is going to make your day miserable. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, you guys both just kind of did it, but uh, we're still going to do it. What is, as we close the show here, what's, what's the if you could pick one thing that you want to see happen in this game, the one, one thing that puts us on a path Towards pulling the upset and and heading off to San Francisco, what is it? I have a good, I have a outside the box one. Ooh, <laughs> here we go. Ooh look at Chris! Here oh, did you go. part your hair the other way today, Chris? <laughs> Feeling spicy. I want to see, ladies and gentlemen, outside the box. Here, let me do sound effects. <laughs> it's time for outside the box corso. <laughs> We t- that was the box opening. I, I that was a box see, opening sound effect. I want to see a deep touchdown pass. I know it, to CJ Ham. Yeah, no, from Kirk to either Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs. I think when that's happened in these games, and it's happened a lot this year, especially to Diggs when when Thielen hasn't been out there. I think a big play down the field from the offense is what we're missing 
in those games where we were right there against Seattle, yeah. what we're missing in the in that game against the Chiefs. You need to well, hit that early. Yeah, you have to hit that. Yeah, pass. hit it early. I was gonna say, don't talk trash on my boy Treadwell. When he we did, he did catch when a big we, Yeah, at the end there. Seattle. When we missed it, you're saying you're saying okay. Let, let we Jay missed and I it in you. the Chicago you're Bears game. A big play early. Yes, I want to see a big, big play. play early. I want to see you're, a you're big outside, touchdown. It was weird. Your outside the box take was a deep pass. <laughs> no, <laughs> I want to see. You want to see us take a shot early? Yes. I like that. That is, and I would agree with that. On to Jay Nelson. Back inside the box for Jay Nelson. <laughs> the box is closed. That's good. I, I, I'm comfortable here inside the box. Okay. Uh, my biggest thing is <laughs> red zone limitations on Saints' top two targets. Shocking, Michael Thomas is one of their top two targets inside the red zone, but their other one is Jared Cook. Their two tallest guys and their two biggest bodies that they have down in the red zone are. of their red zone targets. Those two guys are the guys I want to see us shut down because what that does then is it says, okay, is it going to be Kamara or is it going to be Taysom Hill? At least defensively, you know who to key on. Those are their top two targets in the red zone. I love it. Uh, Mine... Is it outside or inside the box? Ooh, where in the box (laughs) does this take land? Um, I am going to go... Way outside the box. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. End of the year, <laughs> giant take. This is going to contradict it. everything I've said because everything we've built in in this podcast so far makes it that the opinion of this podcast is you need to play smart, really execute, and probably win the time of possession battle, and you know this this is the sort of game that you want to win twenty four twenty one. So all that, am I wrong in assuming that's kind of where we landed as a team, just coincidentally? The last two times we've played, it's all come down to the last second. So here's, uh, here's now where I contradict it. We have shown, and I've said this on all the podcasts pretty much that I have hosted for you guys, I want, I want to see the no huddle. I want to see the no huddle. You just said it. They're 20th in defense, on passing defense, when they're healthy. Cam Jordan, you want to know, you want to keep him off balance? I want to tire him tire out. Tire him out. Now, are you asking for trouble by trying to play speedy against the Saints? Yeah. I'm not saying you have to play all game that way, but I'm saying, like, you know when you're playing blackjack, which none of us play, but you know when you're playing blackjack and you're playing $5 a hand, $5 a hand, and every once in a while, you know what? I'm going to play $25 a hand for four hands in a row. And if you win them, you're like, oh, boy, my wife isn't going to yell at me at all. And if you lose them... You don't tell her what happened at all. So there's there's a high risk, high reward situation here. But to me, the reward of beating that team up and down the field with a no huddle early in the game, ooh, that's, that's the playoffs. It's it's tempting. It's tempting to me. It's it's the it's the onside kick aspect. Should I do? Because conventional wisdom, I don't think. You, if you're the Saints, you know the no huddle exists, but there's no way the Saints are thinking, you know what, they might come in here and try to match us and run up and down the field. There's no way they think that. That is the Saints' ball. Yeah. That is what the Saints do. That is why they've been successful. So do you go at them, and do you, do you there's that old adage, when you really want to beat someone, do you attack their strength? Yes. Yes. I'm, I, and I understand I'm wrong. But no, you're not. Because I, I, in my opinion... Vikings, 48. Saints, 11. <laughs> I don't, that's, that's the thing. I, I tried to do the horn, but I did like a prepubescent like cow. <laughs> I, I am on board with you. You are in the playoffs. You are going for broke. 
you don't want to sit here at the end of the game and go, well, if we had done it this way, maybe we would have had a better chance. Yeah, it sucks to go play one of those broke. games where you like it's like it's close, but you don't really feel like you're executing, but also they're not executing, and it comes down and it's a field goal, and you feel like you didn't take your shot, you know. And obviously, that's not how anyone would feel. But I, I like, I like attacking their strength. But that's the thing. Think about the Saints when they had their success, especially in '09. We all remember what happened at the end of our game, and we all know what happened yes, in the Super Bowl. Jay, we remember. You're welcome. In 09, though, the thing for me that gave me respect for them was when they came out in the Super Bowl second half and kicked an onside kick against the Colts. Nobody expected that. That changed the tide, and it showed their team that their coach said, I have all the faith in the world on you. Go out and win this thing because I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it. Philly did the same thing in the Super Bowl when you know the they did the special. Philly special. Yep. We have to do the same thing against the Saints down in New Orleans. Punch him in the mouth, go for broke, and get the win. Thank you for re-executing my point, Jay Nelson. Vikings programming notes to close up the show. All our shows here at VEN, the Vikings Entertainment Network, are running through the playoff push this season. That includes Chris's show with our superstar quarterback, Kirk Cousins, under center with Kirk Cousins. And this week, who's his guest, Chris? Stefan Diggs joins. Stefan Diggs. Found you can way. get it on our uh, feed, which you're listening to right now the Minnesota Vikings podcast feed. The MVP podcast will keep going. Wednesdays online. Skull Stories Thursdays on KFAN with Henry Thomas, also on our podcast feed. On Friday, Mr. Corso, Christopher Corso, and I will be hosting Vikings Final Prep Friday night, KFAN, 6.30 to 7 p.m., Playoff postgame show on Vikings.com and Vikings social media account. Last time we did one was a few weeks ago. We're doing a playoff one. And remember to subscribe to uh, Flash Briefings on our smart speaker. Uh, guys, it's playoff time. Let's, let's go get one. It. Let's go get one and let's do another one of these podcasts next week. I'll see you next week.